0: We're about to go on a journey. Find a spot nearby where you feel safe to close your eyes. Now, close your eyes. Feel the weight of your body pressing on your feet into the ground. Feel the breeze on your skin. Take a deep breath in and out. They call me Maiden Castle. On my slopes, 5,000 years of lives and dramas have unfolded. On this exact spot, Others have and will close their eyes and imagine you, impossibly distant in the past or future. You are linked in that imagining. Time is like this place, enfolding circles like my ramparts and layered like the soils and sediments under your feet. Let your imagination bore through those layers so you can feel the stories of the others all at once. Can they feel you? Hear you? Open your eyes and look at me. Take in my size. I've been here a long time. Look up at the sky. Same light, same cloud, same sun. How warm are you? Did they feel the same in their leathers and furs or Roman armour or Victorian tweed? Your presence here, on the solid mud beneath your feet, makes you part of a shared story. I will guide you a little, but what's most important is that you follow your feet. With the car park behind you, follow the path to the left, with the fence running alongside it. Or, if you'd like an easier walk, take the other path to the right. Walk towards me, and let's see whose imaginations you come across. Is an old woman. She's a storyteller from the late Iron Age, nearly 2,000 years ago. Her name is Nonna. She walks right alongside where you are towards the hill for a meeting with the other elders of her community. She's brisk. Walk a little faster to keep up with her, and keep walking. We're aiming for the top.
1: My grandmother was never in a hurry. I remember her. With her small grey pony, walking between villages. He carrying pottery to trade. Her carrying stories of far-off places in a time long ago. I can smell the pony's sweet, warm breath. Soft muzzle. Sick lips gently exploring my hair. Lack of my neck. Get off! Her stories Meant she was always invited Closest to the hearth, So all could see her I see her now Sitting Cup in hand Waiting for the right moment She'd smile Stretch out her tan skinny legs and begin. Her favourite was the fisherman who caught a skeleton woman in his nets and ran home screaming. He had no idea she was following him home, all a-tangle in his tackle. Then he turned and saw her, sad and alone in his firelight. He felt pity, not fear and let her stay. As he slept, he dreamt of a lost girl and cried for her. The skeleton woman drank his tears and grew flesh and skin on her bones. When the fisherman awoke, he found a whole woman with a fierce heartbeat in the bed next to him. They were both very happy with what they found. And so lived together forever. As a child at her knee, her stories transformed me as I hung off her every single word.
0: Follow your feet. Keep heading upwards. There is more of me to discover. Try walking a little slower. Now you're in step with a man who was here about 120 years ago. He's a little more out of breath than you are from climbing the hill. His name is Thomas Hardy. He's a writer in his fifties. Today, he wants to get away from the gossip of Victorian society, lose himself in the elements and his own imagination. Continue slowly with him to the top, then wait there and look about with him.
2: The castle
0: looms out of the
2: shade by degrees, like a thing, waking up and asking what I want there. It is so enlarged by nearness that its whole shape cannot be taken in at one view. I climb upward to invade Maydun, the castle of the Great Hill. The stupendous ruin is varied with protuberances, which from hereabouts have the animal aspect of warts, wens, knuckles, and hips. It may indeed be likened to an enormous many-limbed organism, cephalopod in shape, lying lifeless and covered with a thin green cloth, which hides its substance while revealing its contour. A squally wind blows in the face as it skips sportively down the slope that I so laboriously clamber up. Its track can be discerned by the undulations of the withered grass bents. Looking aloft for a moment I perceive that the sky is much more overcast than it has been and a dead lull in what is now a gale ensues with almost preternatural abruptness A storm begins with a heave of the whole atmosphere like the sigh of a weary strongman on turning to recommence unusual exertion wind, quickening, rushes along helter-skelter, carrying thick rain upon its back. The rain is followed by hailstones which fly through the defile in battalions, rolling, popping, ricocheting, snapping, battering down the shelving banks in an indefinable haze of confusion. It is impossible to proceed further. Of a storm somewhat abates, and I draw up behind a spur of the inner scarp, and thus await event.
0: Time to walk a little further. Find a place that feels calm and peaceful, then stop. We found another man, Paul Nash. He's a modernist painter. It's 1937. He stands here where you stand right now, looking down at his shoelaces. He's here to find comfort on my hills, feel the breeze on his face and the ancients below his feet. He wants perspective. But right now, all he can see is the muck on his shoes.
3: I should never have read that blasted newspaper. But damn it, I can't. I just can't swallow it. It's unthinkable to start another one. The Great War tore everything apart. The fabric of reality. So many lying broken in the mud. A whole generation. Now a void. All that was green and natural split apart and defiled the driving rain the stinking evil yellow mud the shell holes filled up with green white water the roads and tracks covered in inches of slime the black dying oozing trees the blasphemous sunrise and the shells that never ceased And now, now we are left with the new world we have made, broken and fragmented. The livestock graze contentedly all around me. I feel ashamed of this agitation. You're behaving like a petulant schoolboy. Pull yourself together, Nash. Swallow it down and get sketching. How to paint the magic of this ancient place. How to blend the now and the then.
0: Time to move to my higher ground. Find an elevated spot, a place with a view where you can watch and wait and consider. You have a couple of minutes. A storm is coming.
1: storm is coming. My day's work is done and I'm sitting on the ramparts. Watching. Waiting. Normally I can see what is coming. But this time my view is obscured. There's been rumours of an endless sea of undefeatable metal men. They come from vast lands ruled by a single man who claims to own the whole world from ocean to sky. As if there wasn't enough for everyone. I am the only one that realises our whole way of life may change. We've lived on this hill for so long, I could talk for days about the brave and the stupid generations who've grown, loved, died here. But even I can't imagine the new world that is coming. I hear the sounds of my people behind our safe walls. Children play. We work the grain. We feed the animals. They say ours is a safe place, isn't it? Our gates are strong. If I can't see what is coming, they won't even turn to look. Oh. We've hoarded grain and livestock, weapons are sharp, thousands of sling stones piled. But we've stood in readiness for so many weeks now. Normal life creeps back. As life does. As life will. I sit. Watch. Wait. Stretching my old legs out in the sun. There are no stories to tell at such a time. I know violent men will come. They're far from their families and their land. They will have forgotten kindness. A breeze hits my face and I shiver. This waiting feels like a cold knife in my belly. For the first time, I think these walls might not protect us. I don't feel safe. I don't don't feel feel
0: safe. safe. Start walking again. Explore. Nash is close by.
3: I don't feel safe. That's what's setting me on edge. I should ignore the news. The weight of the camera pulls on my neck as I walk. I'm looking for Mortimer Wheeler, that great man of science and archaeology. He insists that objects, people, buried in this place for countless centuries must be dug up, catalogued, judged and removed to a museum. Their secrets cannot remain where our ancestors, in good faith, hid them from the sky. Progress demands it. I'm in a mind to document him. I stop in shock at the sight of it. A starkly precise grid of exposed earth set out in pits and pathways. The process enables more precise documentation of the archaeology. But the maiden seems somehow exposed. I want to cover her modesty. Wheeler is puffed up and proud, with big moustaches on his sun-burnt face. He's excited like a child, waving me over to something he's found in a far pit. I try to navigate the trenches, but I lose my footing on that earth. I slip into one. Damn it! My elbow plows into soft mud, but the camera is safe. Wheeler's too engrossed to notice. I pick myself up and step more carefully over to him. He straightens as I reach him and, in so doing, reveals the full glory of his find. A twisted human skeleton, open-mouthed and frozen in a slow, twisting rise. It's a war grave, he says. Muddy bones, at the bottom of a damp, dark trench. Heaps of mud and dislocated earth. Yes. No. I almost can't. There are no words. Nausea. Spinning. Men of science. The dead,
2: screaming in silence.
3: Stop, Danny. Stop! Keep it together. Drive. It's not real. It can't be real. God, look about you now. Fusing the damn imagery of green hills. See? This is England. Not Flanders. A horizon of green. See the lines. Sweeping lines of green mounds, this is Dorset, where dinosaurs roamed. Then men, and women, presumably, with their stone and flints. I see lines of time, curving back into the distant past, focus on the lines, man. Sketch them down, sketch the damn lines, tracing It's circular lines.
2: Tracing Tracing its circular circular. lines.
0: Move slower. Hardy approaches.
2: Tracing its circular lines. The roar of the storm can be heard, travelling the complete circuit of the fort. A measured mile. Coming round at intervals like a circumambulating column of infantry. I start to walk again. Lightning radiates round, and a rumbling as from its subterranean vaults, if there were any, fills the fort. The lightning repeats itself, and, coming after the thoughts of martial men, bears a fanciful resemblance to swords moving in combat. The very brassy hue of the ancient weapons that were used here. Acoustic perceptions multiplied hear the stream of years that have borne those deeds away from us. Strange articulations seem to float on the air from the gateway of coming and going and general excitement. There arises an irradicable fancy that they are human voices. If so. They must be the lingering airborne vibrations of conversations uttered at least 1500 years ago.
0: We are moving into the center of the storm. Walk to the middle until you feel enclosed and surrounded by me. Then stop. Look. Wait.
2: of the storm was transitory. I find myself left bare to the mild gaze of the sun, which sparkles now on every wet grass blade and sponge of moth. The abrupt configuration of mounds is now for the first time clearly revealed. Mounds whereon doubtless spears and shields have frequently lain, while their owners loosened their sandals and yawned and stretched their arms in the sun. Before the eye stretches the interior of the fort, so open and so large it is practically an upland plateau, yet wholly within the walls of what may be understood as one single structure. Men must have often gone out from the gates in the morning to battle with the Roman legions under Vespasian. Some return no more, others come back at evening, bringing with them the noise of their heroic deeds. But not a page, not a stone has preserved their fame. This place is a witness all that happened. This This place place is is a witness witness to to all all that happened. happened.
0: It's time to hear the end of Nonna's story. Find a place on the edge and watch with her.
1: This place is a witness to all that happened. The storm has broken. Vespasian's army has arrived. In the clear light, I see what our future holds. Let me tell you a story. When my son learnt to walk, he didn't crawl first. He'd sit and watch the other children but he wouldn't crawl over to meet them. He had no time for half measures. When he was ready, he would just get up and walk. One day, he pulled himself up onto a stool, let go with one hand, then the other, wobbled only slightly, then walked until he collapsed into my arms giggling. (laughs) as if that's what he'd been saving himself up for all along. I knew then he'd be a wise man and a leader. But I didn't know what he'd lead us into. I watch from the ramparts as he steps out of our strong, safe gates towards the Roman encampment. I can't help but think of those first sure steps he took as a tiny boy. You'll see, Mother... He said this morning, there will be a way to live alongside these men, and I will find it. Now he walks, steady and proud, his own near-grown son following a step behind, as they follow the Roman messenger toward an unknowable future. I tremble at the sight of our two worlds walking together. Because I know enough of Romans to be sure they must live over others, not alongside them. I know in our shared future, with them over us, there'll be no place for an old storyteller like me. Their women are treated like slaves, belonging to men with no place on their councils. When you imagine a world run by men alone, it's no surprise to think they'll never be satisfied until they've eaten up the whole world. So I sit and watch from the wall for my son to come home. It's dusk and it's near dark and he is returning. He's alone. His head is bowed, he's unsteady, stumbling as if he's forgotten how strongly he found his feet all those years ago. I yell the alarm for the gatekeepers to let him in and run to catch him as he collapses into my arms. He's sobbing, saying, All is lost, Mother. They are so many and they've taken my boy. I see now. Our people have stepped from a safe, familiar place into a brutal one.
0: We are making a new world.
1: We We are are making making a a new new world.
0: World. Walk again to find Nash. He can almost hear me.
3: We are making a new world. But surely the ancient still walk in this awe striking place the scene is serene except where it's not the glinting white bones lie exposed in the sunshine as guardians to a world that is both here and not here spoiled earth things that should be left buried the earth turns over and is rent open All in the name of progress. Look about you, Nash. Try to see the country all around. This maiden castle that men have made and lived upon. It's epic banks and ramparts. What should I paint? Where is my scarcer instinct? These soft, ancient contours flowing in circles. This grass which somehow always regrows to cover up the mess of man's disruptions. Skulls in clusters like birds' eggs. A cold scientific grid. Damn it! Those men, those modern men who append the world because we must always be moving forwards. Propelling us. Compelling us onwards in a straight line. Why won't they look around them? Why? They talk of war like it's an inevitable thing. Like they've forgotten entirely. Breathe. Listen to her. Green. Green hills swerving around and around enfolding me the sky is above up and down still works here I stand firmly on this maiden ground pregnant with the past wrapped about with a blanket of turf she lies in her curved lines of the present Dreaming about possible futures, warmed by the mild gaze of the sun.
0: by the mild gaze of the sun, watered by the rain, caressed by the breeze. I do dream of the future, the past, and the present, all at once, because time doesn't bother me. I have and will be here forever, until I'm not, just like you. I am a focus of imagination, Many people have stood here, where you are right now, looking, listening and feeling the breeze on their faces, wondering who came before and who will come next. You are one of them. What is your story? Who matters to you most in the world? What storms are approaching? What ground needs rebuilding? What will you do next? Time to reground. Stop and look at your feet. Can you feel them? Solid? Holding your weight? Look up at the sky, the clouds drifting in the breeze. Breathe some of it in. How do you feel? Explore me. Imagine a time when you're no longer here. Then, continue your story. This audio experience is a splash-and-ripple production for English Heritage. It was written by Rosie Pobright, using some of the writings of Paul Nash and extracts from Thomas Hardy's short story Trist at an Ancient Monument. Nonna's Iron Age story was informed by Wheeler's Excavations and the writings of Tacitus. Sound, design and music was created by Helen Schiera, using the vocal talents of Alice Barclay. Andrew Collins, Ian Harris and Stevie Thompson.